5: I have heard this argument too many times over <laughs> to to really, uh, I just got to take a breath. I'm so fired up about it. So look, I'm not being disrespectful of the player. I'm being disrespectful of the game, not hating the player. I'm hating the game. And the player in this case is Cole Kubelik, who works for the sec network, essentially ESPN and what Cole Kubelik is saying is what he's basically echoing parenting these crazy lunatic idiot Packer fans. Right now there's a couple rules you need to know about in the national football leagues draft. What's the number one rule for drafting in the NFL? Don't reach for a need. You heard that? Don't reach for a need. Nothing will get you in more trouble than reaching for a need. Okay. And what Packer fans will tell you is what Cole Kubelik is essentially telling you without telling you as much. They should have reached for a need. He tweeted this out. This is inconceivable. Career touchdown passes to first-round picks. Drew Brees, 104. Tom Brady, 105. Peyton Manning, 293. Brett Favre, 127. Dan Marino, 84. Phillip Rivers, 35. Aaron Rodgers, 1. Mercedes Lewis in 2019. Ben Roethlisberger, 69. So... The idea is that not only is Aaron Rodgers great, which we all conceive, but the franchise hasn't done him any justice. Hasn't done him any justice because they haven't put the talent around him. Right. Now, I want you to keep in mind that the Packers. The Packers. Since Aaron Rodgers has taken over, they were six and five his first year after that, 13 and three uh excuse me they're six six and ten they were 11 and five 10 and six 15 and one 11 and five eight seven and one where they lost in the wild card 12 and four 10 and six 10 and six seven and nine that's when he broke his collarbone multiple times and uh six nine and one that's when their head coach got fired and last year they were 13 and three part of the Aaron Rodgers problem and the drafting problem is the same one that the Patriots have had, which is you draft at the end of the first round and it really becomes hit or miss, especially with wide receivers. It becomes an argument that sounds really good, looks really good on paper, but lacks any sort of substance. Drew Brees has thrown 104 touchdown passes to first round picks. That's what the, that's what his tweet says. Who did Drew Brees throw all those touchdown passes to last week, last year? Malcolm Thomas, second round pick. Emmanuel Sanders, third round pick this year. Alvin Kamara is a third round pick. So I say, I said Malcolm, sorry, Malcolm Thomas, basketball player. Michael Thomas, second round pick. Oh, and by the way, if you want to go by first round picks, the most dynamic, most dynamic wide receiver with the Kansas City Chiefs, should be Sammy Watkins, since he was a high first-round pick. Not Tyreek Hills, a fifth-round pick. Uh, Travis uh, Kelsey, who wasn't a first-round pick. Even Nicole Hardman was a second-round pick. Jordy Nelson, by the way, was a second-round pick. Devontae Adams was a second-round pick. A- a- and by the way, the Packers took HaHa Clinton Dix in the first round, 21st overall in 2014. Do you know they passed on? Kelvin Benjamin, Marquise Lee, Jordan Matthews, and Paul Richardson. Those are the first-round pick wide receivers. Picking a wide receiver who's going to translate to the pros is exceptionally difficult, especially when you get outside of the top five, and rarely do they go inside the top five outside of Julio Jones, who everybody knew be a star. Yes, Tom Brady has 105 touchdown passes most to first-round picks. Most of those is to Randy Moss. The first round picks they've actually taken have been busts. Don't believe me? Look at last year's first round pick. Nikhil uh, Nikhil, uh, and Harry, who couldn't line up right. The idea that somehow you're not supporting your quarterback by not getting him a first round pick wide receiver is peak idiocy. It just is. Who cares who's a first round pick? The only question is, can he play? And for the Packers, who have been a double-digit win team or a playoff team all but three years, he has been the starting quarterback. One was the first year, the defense was a mess. And two of the last three years, one year he was hurt a good portion of the season, and their defense was a disaster another portion of the season, another season, and their coach was fired. It'd be one thing if they didn't put a good roster around him, but they did. They they put a good roster around him. They didn't reach for a need. And this idea that a player is only considered effective if they're a first round pick goes against everything the wide receiving position has taught us ever. What round was Terrell Owens taken in? Anybody want to guess? That would be the 3rd round. He's a Hall of Fame wide receiver. What round was Chris Carter taken in? He's a Hall of Fame wide receiver. The answer would be a fourth round pick. Now look, uh, Terrell Owens was taken that low be, be, you know, because he was a relative unknown and Chris Carter because he had to leave school a year early because his dealings with an agent, in Ohio State, everybody knew how super talented he was. But the point is there, if there is no correlation between a first round pick and football success why are we making some correlation between a first round pick and a quarterback or a team's competency in supporting a quarterback like i i get if you want to tell me that that um tom brady didn't have the weapons last year that's fine but the best weapons tom brady has ever had were randy moss a first round pick but a guy who was well-traveled and by the time they got him, it was because he basically quit on the Oakland Raiders. It wasn't like the Patriots drafted Randy Moss, right? Randy Moss needed a rehab and they were team rehab. I mean, this is the, this is the dumbest. Just look, Antonio Brown was not a first round pick. Obviously you can kind of see why. Michael Thomas was not a first round pick. So if there's no correlation between success in the NFL and the and the round that you're picked as a wide receiver, why is there a correlation for for fanboy and for analyst boy to to make it out like Aaron Rodgers hasn't been supported? You got to keep in mind that you're in Green Bay. Hey, right? It's a little bit harder to draft well because, well, first of all, you're not drafting in the top five, top ten. Second of all, you don't know who translates to cold weather. Third of all, you're not going to get high-level free agents. One, that's not how they roll. And two, free agents don't want to sign in Green Bay. They don't want to play in the cold. They don't want to play for an organization that seemed to be a little bit frugal. So if, if it'd be one thing if... There wasn't thus if they were putting out bad team after bad team after bad team. But they're putting out good teams. They seem to know what they're doing. They stay true to their board. They don't reach for a need. And oh yeah, by the way, if you look at late in the first round, there weren't any of the best uh, wide receivers available. That's why everybody at the end of the first round turned to not drafting wide receiver. 16 of the last 19 first round wide receivers have been busts anyway. What are we doing here? Like, the end-all, be-all is to be a first-round draft pick wide receiver, and that solidifies you as a star. Greatest quarterback of all time, Tom Tom Brady. Okay, let's just say it's Tom Brady. Tom Brady, by the way, is a six-round pick, and his best weapons outside of Randy Moss, so they got off the scrap heap. Rob Gronkowski, not a first-round pick. Aaron Hernandez, not a first-round pick. Wes Welker, not even drafted. Julian Edeman, what was, like, a seventh-round pick. Rache Caldwell, Troy Brown, go through all of the Patriot guys that helped them win Super Bowls, which is what it's about. It is not about Calvin Johnson, who had a great career. And by the way, the reason the Lions got Calvin Johnson is they sucked. They didn't win a game. They had Calvin Johnson and Matt Stafford. The... Number one overall pick, man can't win anything. Why? Because you need an actual team. It's not the way it works in the sport. And what's, what's embarrassing is you have guys that actually cover the sport that seem to eliminate that from their argument. They just do. It doesn't mean that Julio Jones hasn't been great. It just means the Packers were never in position to get Julio Jones. And oh yeah, by the way, while the Falcons move mountains to get Julio Jones, It's not like the Falcons have been consistently successful. If it's about who has the most first-round picks or even who has the best wide receiver. Wait, just like, let's just look, okay? Who are the best wide receivers in the league? The best wide receivers in the league don't necessarily correlate, most times don't correlate, to who actually has the best team in the league. Sometimes they do, but it is not. It is not a prerequisite. It just isn't. And oh yeah, by the way, one of the reasons we're paying you all that money, Aaron, is so you can make average guys look above average. You can bring up their level. That's what makes great quarterbacks great, just like what makes great basketball players great. Can you make everybody else around you better? So look, I'm an Oklahoma State alum, Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. I would swear to you, Justin Blackman was going to be a star. Now his problems were with the bottle. But the fact is that he didn't do anything in his NFL career. Des Bryant did. Okay. It is, at best, a 50 50 proposition for college stars to become stars in the NFL. How many times have you seen a guy that you swore at wide receiver would be an absolute star and he was okay? And even if you say Odell Beckham Jr. is great, he is. His team's made the playoffs one time. How many times has Jarvis Landry's teammate playoffs? He's his teammate. He's a great player. I have nothing bad to say about Jarvis Landry. Nothing. Calvin Johnson. Julio Jones. Julio Jones is as good or better than he was in their Super Bowl year. Yet, how the Falcons done after the Super Bowl. Why would that be? You can sit here and tell me that somehow being a uh, drafting a first round Pick as a wide receiver is a prerequisite for creating a culture that says we support our quarterbacks, but that just isn't true. It's way more important that you protect your quarterback with your offensive line and with a running game than it is that you give him the greatest wide receivers ever when wide receivers are a hit and miss proposition. Everything deserves context. And if the Packers were drafting in the top five or top 10 of a couple of drafts that had wide receivers, but in the context of what happened on Thursday, all the wide receivers were gone. And they put themselves in position to have a succession plan for a 35-year-old quarterback who, despite the fact that I believe he's still great, did show some signs of, of age. We have to stop the nonsensical idiocy. These arguments look good on paper. They feel good when they teat him. You want Aaron Rodgers to feel like he's not being supported. But the fact is, the fact is that you look around the league and there is not a correlation between first-round draft pick, wide receivers, and overall success. You tell me where it exists. Great guy to catch up with, Les Snead. We go to his training camp every year, the LA Rams. He joins us on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Les, how are you?
4: I am good. Might have been better if they would have had expanded playoffs last year.
5: Yeah, I know. I know. Um, I, I just, I, I, got a bunch I want to get to, but is there, is there a consideration for how you put together your roster Based upon this year, there'll be an additional playoff game, and then the following year there'll be an v- additional regular season game. Do you think that's going to change your personal roster composition?
4: I don't think it it, it will. Um, in an, in a, I don't think it. I'll just say this: an extra playoff game probably doesn't uh, necessarily mean okay, you do something differently. What it does mean, though, is is you continue as a as a team as a group making sure that you keep feeding uh, uh, the players that your core philosophy needs to uh, execute that philosophy so and then I think ultimately big picture right if if we do that and uh, it works out then you probably have more playoff appearances down the line than you would have
5: if, if I were to ask you in all honesty um, did you like this year's draft where you got to be isolated you didn't have everybody else in the room? Mm-hmm. What, did did you like it better? Yeah,
4: I, the the answer would be uh, yes and no. And the positives of it would be uh, you still had everybody in the room, uh, but they were in uh, let's call it chat rooms. Right. And the positive of that is is as an example, if you ask a question with everybody in the room, you might get let's say ten people answering that question at one time. Uh, the way it was the way it was designed this year logistically it did allow you to ask a question, hear from, I'm not saying 10 people, but the necessary people to answer that question. Right. But in a, in a, I would call it in a more systematic way, instead of everyone, uh, let's call it yelling the answer at one time, and you're trying to decipher you know, the data you just uh, were given. So I think that's the positive of that.
5: Um, how much of your draft was based upon your board? How much of it was based upon need?
4: I think you. I think that's a good combination of, of both. You you try to come into this whole draft process going, okay, these are these are definitely our needs. And if you go to pick uh, a need, I think we you always have to ask yourself, are right, is this actually filling our need? We, or we or are we? And I always say, if if it's one of those deals where it's just a band aid, maybe insurance. It's probably best not to at that moment pick for your let's call it your your most urgent need, and, sure. and maybe at that point rely on the board. And there's the element where when you look through a telescope, if you do uh, in those moments, uh, you know, rely on the board and your board is right, and that's always subjective. But if all of those things align, from a, when you look at it from a telescopic standpoint, one to two to three years down the road, we'll be uh, glad that we followed the board. And then at that point, you still have a need when the draft is over, uh, you try to figure out a way to fill that to ensure that uh, in another way, you know, rather than leeching in the draft.
5: Les Snead, general manager for the LA Rams, 9-7 last year. Uh, no first-round picks, but a couple of second, couple of third, and some really interesting picks that they made. He joins us in the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, the running back position is fascinating. Obviously, uh, your guys peak, and then what happened with Todd Gurley, I think the rest of the league is sort of reacting to it. Um what did you get in Cam Akers your first pick was your first pick of the second round went at 52 overall there's a run on running backs that started end of the first round into the second round what does Cam Akers bring to your offense uh,
4: He brings you know it ultimately we want to get back to where we or how we ran the ball or in, in some ways in 2017 and 18. So I do think with the running backs that we have Daryl Henderson from last year, Malcolm Brown, uh, even John Kelly on our roster, but adding cam gives us uh let's call it a, a large human being that can, that can hit home runs. But when you really, really studied him at Florida state, uh, uh, it's been well noted, right? He was probably the only, I think he was the only uh, Florida state Seminole drafted, in this draft so they've been a little bit down over the last couple of years sure cam's been one of the better players and and those defenses in the acc uh went into those saturday matches going okay we we need to stop that player and they had a hard time doing it and and when you study it you you realize he was running into a lot of uh let's call it six seven eight eight man man friends but they had
5: had bad uh, quarterback play right I mean, DeAndre Francois gets hurt a couple years ago. He's never the same. He leaves. They got coaching changes galore. They changed offenses several times over. It's really hard. How do you how do you get a sense for a guy when the game film is hard? You know, the offense is not similar really to the one you watch, and then you don't have a pro day either. How do you get a sense for what you're actually getting?
4: Well, the, the good thing for him, he went to the combine, so he did everything at the combine. So that that he checked those boxes. The, it's it's very similar to to evaluating a QB in college. When when there's a lot of space, a lot of windows, very wide windows, whether it's a QB throwing into them or a runner running into them, that's not going to necessarily translate to the NFL. Sure. The windows are going to be a lot tighter. So I think that did give uh, – uh, us an advantage when you when you when you're able to study Cam in that okay that's a that's a more realistic way the NFL is going to look and and not only did he was he able to hit home runs and fun and make big plays but you see some of those those natural nuances of of being patient when necessary of having the vision to see that daylight and then explode through the daylight when it was actually there.
5: Um, you guys were interested, you know, a couple years ago, you guys went for it, right? You you sign in Dominican Sue, short term deal, you get uh, Sammy Watkins right, and uh, and and also you end up trading for for Braden Cooks as well. Like uh, you give Todd Gurley the the early money. If I asked you, truth be told, would you do it all again? Because you did get to the Super Bowl and it was essentially a one possession game. Would you?
4: Oh, there's 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 no doubt. You you can't to to go through uh those seasons and really starting in in, in 2017 when when we hired sean and we said hey let's 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 go do something special because we figured we had a a special uh head coach and and some younger talent that you know hasn't necessarily bloomed yet that we thought were going to bloom so anytime you do something and you make a run where you win a couple of division championships and an nfc championship and, and you get to play for the gold medal uh there's no regrets ever in that. You only live once, and you, you do this a long time, and, and those are special seasons. But, but, but be rest assured, everything we're doing now and in this draft and in this off season is to make sure that we continue uh, always having a, a strong strong foundation that's young that can be around and, and contend like we have in the past you know it's,
5: it's fascinating uh Les need joining us on the doug gottlieb show right you make a field goal in seattle you're in the playoffs everything looks totally different right we we look at you com- completely different um but y- y- there's there's discussion not necessarily about your draft but about some other drafts teams not drafting wide receivers teams not drafting quarterbacks when there's this uh, assumed need and i made the case like Look, Cookson and Watkins, perfect example. those guys were first round draft picks, and yet they were never your best wide receiver. And what really changed for Jared Goff from the Super Bowl year to last year wasn't Jared Goff. It was the offensive line and the and and the inability to protect. and that's one of the things you guys are working through to change in terms of when when a fan says or an analyst says, you got to support the quarterback and give him the weapons. Doesn't it start with the offensive line before you even get to the skill position guys?
4: Uh definitely and and I think uh, for the fan's sake too and that's a, a good observation but we do think uh last year wasn't just uh let's call it on the offensive line. Oh, we got we got away a little bit from from who we were and and, and who Sean is with some of the play action and some of the boots and, and 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 things like that and and teams were doing their best to come in and and tr- we were scoring a lot of points and, and had a good run. So teams were doing some unique things every week to to try to slow us down and, and, and had some success. So we, we don't necessarily think, hey, the goal is to, uh, let's call it, revamp the offensive line and all of a sudden now you're going to be able uh, to protect the passer. But it might be uh, getting back to who you were where – Hey, you, you, you have a strong running game where you get into manageable uh, second downs, and you can you can utilize some of those play action moments that we've had so much success of in getting into. Uh, let's call it, instead of three wide receiver packages, more two uh, tight end, maybe even three tight end with uh, some tight ends in the backfield packages to keep uh, defensives on their heels and, and and help the offensive line, not just really say, hey, let's go, let's go find five new offensive linemen and all of a sudden we're gonna we're gonna block better. So it's a again, the offensive line has to do their part, but the skill positions have to do their part and also we want to get back to who we were by keeping teams uh, off balance to help that offensive line as well.
5: It's a great point you made about about the tight ends. I know you drafted Bryson Hopkins, the kid out of Purdue, right, to only add to the depth at the position. And it's much like defenses want hybrid players, right? It, because the versatility needed to cover the speed on offense, offenses are adjusting and throwing multiple tight ends. And the reason the tight end is, is because you need a, a versatile guy that can both uh, block and catch, and you you don't know what he's going to do, and it can confuse those defense, and you find the mismatch. It's it it really is a cat and mouse game that I I think so so many of us fans we we just laymen and we just look at the old school wide receivers and the running backs and the the gross passing numbers and we don't understand maybe the the nuances of it. Les Need, the general manager of the Rams, uh, joining us. L- last thing, um, how challenging is this off season going to be considering? Um, you know, right now, we don't know when our state is open. We're in California as well, right down the street from you guys in the Valley. And we don't know when we're going to be open. So, you know, the old rookie mini camp, the early rookie mini camp where you get a chance to see your all your picks, that ain't happening, right? You can't do the, the, the traditional press conferences, can't do the OTAs as of now. How challenging is that for the LA Rams specifically with the massive amount of unknown as to when California is going to open back up?
4: Well, that is—it's it's definitely a challenge. I think we challenge ourselves internally to, hey, let's make this uh, an advantage uh, for us and, and maybe not for uh, 31 other enemies. Now, whether we can do that or not is 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 to be determined. But it, it the 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 thing that you're, we're going to miss the most, way right? I, I think we can teach football virtually. Uh, uh, that's just meeting room. Settings, we're seeing our kids do that right now, right? They're, they're, they're going through school in, in a virtual setting. So I think we can teach football virtually. So we we, interesting, right? We got a new defensive coordinator with sure. a new defensive scheme. We can probably get some of that done virtually. What I, hate for our football players right now, or they're so, hey, their body is very important. So those players uh, working on things from a, a physiological standpoint, uh, whether it's different techniques, whether it's uh, teaching your your body a, a different bio, you know, uh, you know, biorhythmic movement that's hard to do sometimes, whether it's just getting bigger, stronger, faster, uh, not being able to to be in our facilities and be on our grass is probably where it's going to. And then work together yeah. and come together symb- symbiotically yeah. is where it's going to uh, kind of catch up to us, but we got to make an advantage.
5: L- Les, is there any consideration to moving operations out of state if there's a neighboring state that's open in the meantime?
4: You know what? That's a good idea. I know we haven't internally said, hey, let's let's do that. But I, I, think, I, I think we – Excellent idea. I think I just wrote it down. Right, if that's the case, uh, we'll call it the uh, uh, Doug Gottlieb. Uh, the,
5: the, the Gottlieb uh, plan. The Gottlieb. Yeah, the, the Gottlieb, Gottlieb plan death. is. The uh, Gottlieb
4: plan is. Is you know what? Let's 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 maybe find a neighboring state, and and if that's possible. But it, it is interesting how the the league is, and I know they want to make sure it's competitively. Uh, uh, you Even, know, there's a competitive balance for yeah. everyone, uh, and I think that is actually a good idea. Instead of uh, maybe all of us going rogue and and you know going all over the place, finding places to work together. So it'll be interesting how we, as individual teams, do this and and how the the league uh, in the uh, NFL umbrella keeps everything at a competitive
5: balance. Well, I thought uh, I thought Sean did well for himself in terms of the the the, the background on his video conferencing right like it everybody went all team cliff on cliff kingsbury setup and then they're like well you know sean's is pretty good with la in the background they're up on a cliff so that 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 wasn't bad i don't know if you guys have given him a little bit of the business on that one that
4: oh well if you uh yeah, the next time you talk sean i do know this he's got a pretty nice uh home office right yes. uh and and ultimately the his home office looks like a home office and and that's where probably he he set up uh thursday night now in his defense his home office doesn't have television he he basically has a tv in there but he's only watching film and he's not one of these netflix type guys right so but i do know that he said hey on friday night i'm going to go downstairs because i have the tv over here i can watch a draft so you know we've kind of given a little hard time like okay was that really so you can go downstairs and watch a draft on tv or was it a little bit (laughs) of competitive you know to make sure that everyone knows cliff doesn't have too much on you so uh, next time, ask, talk Sean. You can ask him those ask. Y-
5: those young pretty boys. They are they are competitive. Hey, listen, it must be nice being a head coach. M- must you know, must that must, that must be n- must be nice. Yeah, you were in the slums in a basement, you know, uh, sweating, doing all the work, and and he's up high on a hill. Hey, Les, thanks so much. Congrats on the draft. I know you did well, uh, especially considering no first round picks. And thanks so much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me, though. Les Snead, always good with us from the LA Rams, joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio.
2: Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific.
5: let's catch up with with brock heward uh college and nfl analyst for fox sports former uh starting quarterback in both college and in pro of course uh that's oh it's left-handed quarterback day <laughs> lef, left-handed quarterback day let, is, let that me, tua? is that yeah, for tua that I, I guess in a while yeah we had sims on a, a moment ago um look there are i talked to i talked to the chargers and the chargers admitted to me that if they if they had the choice for either they would select tua but it's like, man, you hold your breath and they end up not having to make that choice. Um, let's start with Tua. What's the likelihood of success in your mind?
6: Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, that, is a, that is a
5: pregnant pause.
6: Yeah, it is a pregnant pause and it's, and it's less to do with Tua and it's more about the supporting cast around him. And I think some of the time that it's going to take, uh, w- with this draft class. I mean, they, they stacked it for this year, right? They loaded up and they had so many picks this year in a class that had, I thought a lot of guys that could come in, even in, in an abbreviated offseason, which they're all going to have and at least carve out some role for themselves this season. But so many of the guys they took were developmental guys, young guys, some inexperienced players, some guys that have to have a lot of growth so to me, it's uh, that pregnant pause was a whole bunch around the environment and the team, a lot less about Tua. He's absolutely the guy I would have taken. I think we chatted about that in the lead up to the draft. If you have that many young guys and, and talented young players, I want someone like Tua leading them. I, I love his charisma and Chris Sims is probably right to a degree that everybody mentions the intangibles, but. You've got to be magnetic, man. You've got to be a difference maker. Guys gotta to wanna to get in that huddle and lay it down for you and and wanna play the game uh right alongside you. And I, I think Tua does that in a remarkable way. So my pause there, Doug, was less about Tua and just more about the supporting cast and the time it's gonna to continue to take to rebuild that thing in Miami.
5: Oh, okay. Um what what are the what are the Chargers getting at quarterback?
6: Big smart dude. Checks, you know, um I, I think DJ, Daniel Jeremiah said a bunch, it was a new word. Uh, that that I hadn't heard as much. And, you know, if Jay Billis years ago coined length in the NBA draft conversation a hundred times, I think we heard the word traits. This GM likes traits. This team likes traits. These guys like traits. That's what you're getting from Justin Herbert. And doesn't surprise me, Tommy Telesco, who was an indie when I was there as a player. Tom was a scout and he's been the GM there making the picks for the Chargers comes out of Bill Polian's tree. And Bill Polian liked Jim Kelly and Bill Polian liked Peyton Manning and you know, Jim. Bill Polian liked big, smart, athletic, really knowledgeable guys that know how to play the game from the neck up. And, 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 and Herbert, you know, had those traits that a Tommy Telesco, you know, fell in love with. But will it work? He'd say I don't think he's going to play right away. No, I, I think there's going to be too much. I don't think so either. I think they want Ty. Yes. Uh, they, they want Tyrod yeah. Taylor to start on that team. Yeah, I think in that in that case, this a, like I thought in all three cases, Joe Burrow's wearing the Ohio, you know, uh, area code T-shirt. Like he's an Ohio dude. His parents' couch was from the 1980s. Yeah, as it was, was awesome. their window shades yeah. right? I mean, that's it's just Rust Belt. Just smelled Rust Belt. Like I. Yeah, man, I'm proud to be here. Perfect geographical fit. Miami, as I mentioned, just with a young team, I want a young leader of men and, and to a play down south. And, you know, obviously that's real far. Uh, down south and in some ways a different demographic than alabama in miami but you know geographically made made some fit and then for herbert he couldn't have landed in a better spot you know la is always going to uh the chargers going to be never going to be in the limelight they're going to be in the shadow to a degree they're going to be the tenant in that building you know they're out on the west coast herbert is a guy that walked To the University of Eugene from his home, 12 minutes away. Just didn't, never liked the fanfare, doesn't need the attention. Just let me go and, and do my job and let me go play. And, and, you know, Tyrod will, I think, be a perfect mentor, unlike Aaron to love or some of these places. I, I think he will be a perfect mentor to Herbert. They'll fit in seamlessly. It'll be a good system fit. And I think over the long term, you know, he has a chance to really grow and develop.
5: Okay. Let's talk about the Aaron thing. Um, I'm, I'm an Aaron fan. And I, th- I, I, I kind of, this is my personal opinion. you're totally allowed, just so you know, Brock, to tell me that I'm wrong. <laughs> I, I think the backlash over this pick is is insane because and, and here's the reasons why. If you have Aaron Rodgers, you're not going to pick in the top 10. You're just not. He's, unless he's injured, you're unless th- he's injured, yeah. you're, you're that good. Okay, so you're not going to get a shot at Trevor Lawrence, et cetera, et cetera, over the next couple of years while he's at the end of of his run or what we presume normally to be the end of his run. When you're drafting in the late 20s and 30s, like, okay, so you're going to have to take a little bit of a chance. Wide receivers are very much hit or miss, especially in the first round. Like, I mean, just go and look at, I think, Mm -hmm. 16 of the last 19 first round wide receivers have been busts. So uh, and all the top wide receivers were gone, They put themselves in position to have the handoff in three or four, you know two, three, four years, whatever. And you know, best case scenario for Aaron Rodgers, he plays well, they trade Jordan Love, you know, they trade him yeah. and they get a ton of value out of him. Worst case scenario, he he plays and you know, you have to figure out a way to either find another place for Aaron Rodgers. like if it's about respect, you can't get any more respect than the contract they gave him last off season. Correct. If it's about weapons, all the good wide receivers were gone and they stayed true to their board. And this is the same general manager. who's only been there a couple of years, but he he's reformed them into a much better organization than the past
6: i i don't get it what tell me i'm wrong yeah well there's a couple things that i i I would say to that there were still a bunch of really really fine receivers first second third round there's some nasty dudes that love to play ball there's big athletic dudes and and prospects so to me there were you know a a kj hamler who the broncos took after taking jerry judy is just lightning in a bottle just get him the ball and, and and make your job a little bit easier so you know, yeah, a first round and only one wide receiver, taking a little risk. It could have taken two or three wide receivers, as you saw some teams do. Uh, number two, I just, I, I'm just not that big of a Jordan Love fan. I just, I don't think, and and yes, you're not probably ever going to be in position to get Trevor Lawrence, not next year or the year after that, but you know I I would let him just kind of ride it out until there's a quarterback that I really love, until there's a a Patrick Mahomes that the Chiefs really love and came up to 12 to get him, right? Whether, who knows, in the years to come, college football is doing a better job of developing some quarterbacks and some unique guys and talents, and Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, and who's the next Joe Burrow, who went from a six-round pick to the number one pick i mean you just don't know and i i just on more than anything else doug i just would not have made that bet in this draft in the middle 20s on jordan love hmm. okay um
5: what do you think about the patriots not drafting quarterback?
6: I'm gonna be fascinated to see what they what they decide to do here. Jacoby Brissett, uh the Indianapolis Colts take Easton in the fourth round. They gotta make a decision on him. Uh Cam Newton, I think would be utterly fascinating. And after watching Bill Belichick's dog in his nineteen seventies checkered table uh up in Nantucket, I think we deserve Cam Newton to go to the New England Patriots. So I think it would be fascinating. Supposedly no
5: interest. That that's, that's I, yeah, that's possibly no
6: interest. So, you know, maybe, maybe it's going to be Jared Siddham and Brian Hoyer, and maybe it's going to be Jacoby Brissett, you know, we'll, we'll kind of have to watch it play itself out, or maybe, you know what, he thinks Jared Siddham is extra special and is a perfect fit into their system. So Bill just marches to uh, his own beat. And I I do wish, I think during that broadcast would have made a little bit of sense to put you know, Jameis Winston and Cam Newton, right there by Jake Fromm and Jacob Eason, right. And, and understanding, like those two guys were also right there and, and available to people. And because I thought Fromm would have been a great fit to New Orleans in the middle rounds, and ultimately they say nope, we'll give Jameis and we'll be the rehab project for him. And and I think Eason fell, you know, to the fourth round to a, to a perfect spot for him with Phillip Rivers and Frank Reich. And either he's going to make it and have a chance, or he's going to sink and be out of the league. But um, you know, I, I, th- those. Those two factors, I think, also uh, played a role in the draft of these quarterbacks.
5: Uh, From, I mean, he was he he was awful at the combine, right? I mean, that's really the the combine killed him, and he threw at the combine, which will cause you know no quarterbacks, no good quarterbacks to want to throw there. Even though last year the the top quarterbacks did throw there, um, and and people quickly forget that. Uh, I guess my 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 question is. was that just a bad day, or is that actually who he
6: is? Yeah, he's not he's not an immensely gifted guy throwing the ball. He also ran a five flat, which was slower than Jacob Eason. That that didn't I don't think that that helped. But let's also remember he ran off Jacob Eason and he ran off Justin Fields. And he played for Kirby Smart and he won a lot of big games. He's unbelievably yeah, tough. Yeah, but
5: I mean, like, look, we could do that at at, at Ohio State when they had JT Barrett, right? Like yep. Burroughs couldn't get on the field. It's because an incumbent is is so hard a guy who knows the offense has one in the offense is yep. so hard to beat out in college football and the sports different like what it takes to be you can hide not having a great arm in college there's throws you can't make mm-hmm. you know Dorsey at uh, at Miami perfect example of that uh, yep. Josh Heupel at Oklahoma and yep. from like where you just when you get to the NFL, there is, there's some tangibles that you yeah, just was, have to have. Yes.
6: Yes. I agree. Now he did play in a pro style system. You've also got to be durable and available, uh, which he was for, for three years at Georgia, which I think is a very important trait. And you know what? Uh, he's going to go to Buffalo and Josh Allen's going to hurt his ribs in week four, or he's going to sprain his MCL because he sacrifices his big old body and he likes to run. And, and all of a sudden, let's say in the Bills, I think have a, have a phenomenal roster and an opportunity to really uh, take hold in that AFC East. Um, New England sands Tom Brady now, and all of a sudden, I don't know Josh Allen. They're three and one. He sprains his MCL. He's out six weeks. <laughs> and what happens when Fromm goes five and one or six and zero oh? because he plays on a run? Defense, great roster, and you know is is able to hold it down, much like he did as a true freshman when he came in, or as he did, you know, when when Justin Fields came barking at him and trying to take his job. So I I like that pick, and I wouldn't have taken him in the second. I don't think I'd even taken him in the third. I think the NFL is well, Doug, and this would be kind of a big picture. I think the NFL got a whole lot smarter. I think it's one of the smartest drafts from top to bottom. Uh, working at Thursday and Friday, talking about all these picks. There was no Darius Hayward Bay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know Jalen Hurts at, at wherever he went in the fifties was a was a shock and led to great conversation and, and the Jordan Love move. But I think you see uh, the the dummy curve flattening down in the NFL. I don't think owners are in there going, "No, you're going to do this." Yeah. I think the league has gotten younger. I think it's gotten smarter. I think they've got more intel. You got more people working in all those front offices much like we've seen in baseball and in basketball and i felt this this year with this draft as much as i've ever felt it
5: yeah i, I think it's going to be interesting um there were you know uh uh rugs went earlier than i maybe i thought i mean i i get that he's a burner mm-hmm. but there are you know but you know and and he's got crazy speed but as it was explained to me like Four, three, four, two. It doesn't really matter. You get in space and you're gone. The question yep. is, can you get in space? And it did. It did feel like the Raiders maybe overvalued that. And then uh, what's the the kid from TCU? Um, Jalen Rager. Jalen Rager. Yeah. Uh, another guy who get you know really really fast. But yep. It it, it feels like guys are chasing the next Tyreek Hill and forgetting that Tavon Austin has been a bust.
6: Yeah. And also looked at DK Metcalf last year and just, you know, he came from a simplified route tree and never processed routes. What's that going to do? And Oh my gosh, you know, when you just have, now he has size and unbelievable speed. I think Judy's just twitchiness is just, I mean, I've watched you, Doug. I can't imagine how many hundreds of, or maybe not hundreds of thousands. You're not that old yet, but I can't imagine how many thousands of hours of basketball you have watched in your life. Uh When Jerry Judy's highlight tape came up from high school, Basketball. <laughs> I mean, I, he's just a different human. You mean like rugs? Se- that was, that was yeah, rugs. I'm sorry, rugs. Yeah, yeah, when rugs is highlight uh, basketball nice high freak. school. I, nice I mean, freak. I've seen dudes jump out of the gym as of you I, just as far as speed and you know, jumping. I don't think that's explosive. <laughs> yeah, just I mean, superhuman.
5: Yeah, I mean, just just ridic- wouldn't it be
6: fun re- for one day? Go, what if Doug Gottlieb for one day got to just say, "Oh, I get Henry." Rug's high school body an explosion for one day, and the courts were open all over the country and yeah. down there in Cali. Can you imagine running every court in every gym? You wouldn't. I don't know if you're going to be in bat, invited back to the NBA All Star game because you dominated last time, but could you imagine just one one day in that body doing those things? No, to feel, to feel like
5: to feel like that. Uh, How the Seahawks yeah. do? Uh, not great. Wait, anyway, you just said you just said the dummy factor. Everybody, the love yeah. this draft.
6: Yeah. yeah they, I yeah. mean, kid from Texas Tech,
5: it. kid from Texas Texas a baller, but man, a lot of people had second, third round grade on him.
6: Yeah. I think he was actually, he was one of my favorite picks because at least he was super productive. Yeah. This was a, a project. This was a projection draft for them. This is them saying, we're good. We're not going to have much of an off season. We're not going to count on any of these guys other than maybe Brooks to run and hit because he can do those things and he can see ball and find ball and finish at the football. But Daryl Taylor, Dame, Damian Lewis, DJ Dow, I mean, they're just there's there are a lot of projects that are gonna be have to be developed and turn into Frank Clarks in a couple years. Um, but they're not gonna be immediate impact guys in twenty twenty.
5: Hmm. Hmm, crazy crazy stuff Um, okay give me one pick that people aren't talking about that you loved not just that he was drafted but where location wise team wise that he was drafted
6: to I love Jonathan Taylor man I love what the Colts did in surrounding Philip Rivers, the opposite of Aaron Rodgers. Now, granted, Phillip's like 50 years old with 15 kids, so he's really near the end on a one-year, maybe two-year deal. But I love both of those picks: Michael Pittman, who's right in your backyard in LA in the second round there, and Jonathan Taylor in the second round. Like those are two guys when you're and you can ask Tom Brady in New England last year what it's like to be an old guy and not have people that make you look really good. And those two can hit home runs. Pittman just loves just stinking loves football just whatever you want right he'll come and he'll block and he'll finish and and I just think the essence right you saw a bunch of programs Baltimore had a great draft Devin Duvernay late in the third round is just a tough sucker that's going to go and do whatever you know J.K. Dobbins in the mid-second round in the 50s can you can already picture it Doug like you can close your eyes right now and say okay the Ravens can I picture Duvernay in the slot can I picture J.K. oh yes I can and yes I can the Colts Philip Rivers, Frank Reich, moving pieces around, all that stuff. Can I picture outside stretch? Jonathan Taylor, foot in the ground, breaks one tackle, and there's seventy yarder. Or Pittman going up and try. Like those are just things you can close your eyes and picture. And I think that's always a win.
5: Mm. Uh, All right, give me some. Okay, well let's let's talk about the the the
6: Jalen Hurts thing. Um. Too much noise, man. I'm I'm with your guy Cowherd, and I don't know where you stand on this, but I lived it in Seattle after they won a Super Bowl. It was noise, noise, noise. What does Colin always say? Noisy, they just noisy. You know, noisy teams don't win. Cleveland, noise, noise. And this is just to me, to, especially in the second round. I think he would have sat till the third, maybe the fourth. Yeah, it was, it was if, where it
5: was where he went. Not yes. if you told me like, hey, look, w- we might use him in some red zone stuff. We got him as a backup. We don't have to. He doesn't have to learn yes. a bunch. You know, we just we just make him into more of a runner, you know, yeah. and, and we, you know, we we love Carson. He does get hurt. We might, you know, it's going to have a 17 game schedule upcoming in a year. We We need another guy to have that. I understand. I felt like a second round pick was for a guy who everyone I knew said third or fourth. I didn't yeah. I don't get.
6: Well, he just doesn't see and process it. I mean, everybody loves Jalen Hurts' human being. Everyone does. Why wouldn't you? My gosh, what he did, you know, sacrificing and, and everything and given to a credit, you just don't see that. That was just superhuman maturity and to go to Oklahoma and live up to huge expectations. But both those programs by the end, right, were like, and even in a national title game, we got to get the backup in because he's just not seeing it and processing it. By the end of last year, Oklahoma turned into, you know, just a (laughs) a 70% run team because he just couldn't see it and process it. His teams made adjustments in the second second half of the year. And, and you know, there are people there. I'm sure Bill Bedenboe, the old line coach, was like, okay, let's go. Tanner Mordecai, the next guy, come on. I, I need somebody to get the ball out that can see the field and process. So to me, those are huge question marks. And if you can't do it collegiately, it doesn't get easier at the NFL level. So he's a mid-round kind of prospect in that way. And it's just, you know that market, Doug. What is Philadelphia going to do? What is the media going to do? What is that fan base going to do? It's the most cynical fan or fan base in if, if media if or, or right up there with Boston and New York, and they're going to hammer it. Ooh, does Carson, the locker room like Carson? You know, does he have a relationship with Carson? Because the locker room's going to love Jalen. Everywhere he's been, people love him. And it just creates a lot of noise when it finally felt like Carson won over his team, won over his city, won over the organization, put it all on his shoulders. And now, and this isn't like Carson's threatened that my job's gone. I got paid $30 million a year. Right. It's just the noise that that creates at that pick. I just didn't think it was worth it.
5: Awesome stuff. That's Brock Heward. Uh, college and NFL analyst for Fox Sports. Brock, thanks so much, dude. Always fun, Doug. You got it, bud. Pleasure is all mine. At Bed
1: 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field.